Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. How many of you guys uh, like our morning people? Anybody a morning person? Really? Yes, obviously. I, I could tell by the climate this morning, the the emotional climate of the room, most of y'all are not morning people. But but let me let you know something. It's 11 right now. It's 11. It's okay to be fully awake and engaged. But how many of you are, you're not owls? I'm a not owl, but because I'm an, how, how do I say this? Older adults. <laughs> there you go. I was about to say because I'm an adult. Because I'm an older adult, I've kind of learned to be, but it took me like 40 years to learn this, how to be a morning person. And the hard thing is going to bed at night. Anybody with me? It's not so much about getting up in the morning. It's it's about, it, it is about getting, going, but it, it's more about going to bed early. Like getting in bed before midnight is hard. Are you with me? And so I can just get so much more done at night or so much good relaxing time at night. But anyway, what I've learned is I'm really not a morning person. So I have, and y'all have heard me talk about this before. So what I have to do is I have to wake up extra early before anybody else is awake, right? Because I don't, I don't do good around people unless I've had like, you know, six cups of coffee, right? Uh, I saw a, a meme or something that said, don't talk to me. I haven't had my coffee yet or something like that. So anyway, coffee uh, makes all uh, the difference. Thank you, Jesus, for coffee. How many of you guys, when you wake up in the morning, you wake up to an alarm clock? How many of you, your mom wakes you up in the morning? Or your wife? Or your kids, right? So anyway, but most of us, we wake up by the sound of something, right? We don't wake up, you know, I had a Fitbit for a while, and the Fitbit would wake you up. You know, you could set it up where it would vibrate, and it would wake you up, or they have these clocks now that kind of work like the sunshine. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's like it lights the room up slowly so you can get up and, you know, eat your granola. You know what I'm saying? And just wake up at the sunrise. You guys have seen stuff like that. But most of us, most of us are awakened by a sound every day. Are you with me? There's a sound that comes out, and that's what causes us to awaken, is a noise, is a sound, is a, is a rattling. Sometimes if you're really asleep, the sound isn't enough, and you have to be shaken with a sound, right? Wake up! Wake up! And Right? That's what I'm telling you right now. So look at your neighbor this morning and say, wake up, in case they're not awake. And we're talking about words this morning. We're talking about what comes out of our mouth because uh, words are a catalyst for awakening. Everybody say that. Say word. List for awakening. If we want to see an awakening in our nation, if we want to seek an awakening in our family, then we have got to start using the right words. And we've got to start using words. Part of the reason why that we want feedback during a message or when we sing songs is because when we, when we are putting our voice out there, we actually believe that we have the power to kind of shift the atmosphere in what we're saying. Okay, and I'm going to get into that a little bit this morning. I understand. Let me just preface this. I understand there's been a lot of abuse with people saying, oh, don't say that. Like, like you wake up that day and you're like, oh, my throat's feeling a little scratchy. I've been around people who'd be like, oh, don't say that. Don't speak that over your life. There are power in your words, and we understand that people can get crazy. Come on, are you with me? As we tend to do, typically we take a truth and we kind of like 
make it like something that it's not really what it is, right? And we, we kind of get a little bit abusive with things. But there is a lot to be said, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning, is, is about our words and about the power of our words, about not just the words that we speak, but, the, but even the breath that we breathe, that there is power in it. And uh, I want to talk r- real quick about the word on words. You know, the word has a lot to say about our words. Proverbs, uh, here's five verses for you. Proverbs 10, 11 says, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Now, if you're in Christ, you're righteous. So your mouth is a fountain of life. Are you with me? Proverbs ten twenty: the tongue of the righteous of the righteous is choice silver. What does that mean? That means it's valuable. So your words are life-giving. Your words are valuable. Check this out. Proverbs 10, 21. The lips of the righteous nourish many. So, you know, you have these people that talk to their plants. You ever seen that? They're like, hello, plant. It's good for my plant. I don't know if it works. That's kind of weird to me. Uh, But I do know that people are nourished by my words. Right? Are you guys with me on that? Uh, Proverbs 15, 4. The tongue brings healing. The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but is deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. And then we all know Proverbs 18, 21. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death. There is power on your tongue. There is power on the words that you say. Uh, we've all heard the lie, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words may never harm you. We, that's fun to, to cite whenever you're in third grade, but you know that 30 years li- later, you're still dealing with the things that were spoken to you at an early age. We all know that. We all know that words can be destructive and they, they can really destroy us. And, and some of us will spend the rest of our lives, let's just be honest, unless God does the work, some of us will live the rest of our lives proving the people that have spoken negative things over us wrong. Or we will live hurt for the rest of our life or trying to gain ground for the rest of our life for negative things that were spoken over us. We all know that. But today, I don't want to focus on the negative. And we'll talk about that. We're going to have a, a series. Uh, the next series we're going to enter into is called Fruitful. And we're going to be talking about fruit. And we'll talk a little bit more about this topic later. But I really want to focus this morning on the, the life that can come out of our tongue. That the things that we speak actually have the ability to produce. Uh, Matthew chapter 8, if you have your Bible, y'all good today? How many of y'all love Jesus? All right, here's a story about Jesus for you. People always ask me, they, and, I, and I stole this from my old pastor, uh, Buster Russell, and he used to say this, and when someone asked him, what are you preaching on? I would say, God, Jesus, and the Bible. And he would always say that, so I always say that now, and Leslie doesn't think it's funny, but most people do. They're like, what are you preaching on Sunday? God, Jesus, and the Bible. Awesome. So it's pretty vague, but it's fun. But here's Jesus, Matthew chapter 8. It says, when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, hold up. You don't have to come to my house. I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. But only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man, this is very important, for I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled. Now, 
It's one thing to like surprise a person, right? It's another thing to surprise Jesus. So it says this, it says, when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed, the New Living Translation says this, that he turned to those that were with him, and he, and assuredly I say to you, this is what he says, assuredly I say to you, I've not found so much faith in all of Israel. It's like Jesus is with his disciples, this guy comes up, he's, he's, a, he's a ruler, and he says, hey, don't come to my house you, you don't belong there. You, you don't want to come. Like, we didn't do the dishes. Like, you're not worthy to come to my house. And then Jesus says, then he says, just speak the word. I, I'm also under authority. I know how this thing works. All you have to do is say it, and it'll happen. And then Jesus freaks out. It says Jesus is amazed. It's like he looks to his disciples and goes, what? What? And he says, I haven't seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. Now, this guy wasn't even following Jesus. And he's like, so when Jesus says this to his disciples, can you imagine you were there? Well, what about us, Lord? What about our faith? I mean, we're following you. Jesus is like, this guy gets it. Jesus is amazed. This guy gets it. That if I only speak my word, he'll be healed. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go on your way. As you've believed, let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. What was it that healed? Was it the word or the faith? Yes. It was the faith in the word. Come on, are you with me? But if without the word, the faith wouldn't have been enough, right? But you got to have your faith in the right place. You got to believe the word that Jesus said. And I love that Jesus was blown away about this. I want to talk about the weight of words. Are you with me? How do words carry weight? What what makes a word carry so much weight? Well, the first thing that causes a word to carry weight is authority. See, the thing about this story that really stands out to me is this man was a man under authority. He was a centurion soldier. He was a guy that was not just, he wasn't just a private in the military. He was actually high ranked and he was talking about it. He's like, I tell this guy go and he goes, I understand authority. So because he understands the way authority works, he also understand the way words work. Because if you say the right, if the right person says the right thing, things happen, right? Now, how many know that you can only speak with authority if you have authority? Like, I've seen people before, like, they pray for someone, and they don't have authority, and it's obvious in the way that they're praying, because they're praying fearful. I find you in the name of Jesus, uh, uh, and uh, yeah. Remember they did that in the, in the Bible? In Acts, it says, we, we, we rebuke you in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches about. The seven sons of Sceva, right? And so what happened to the demons? The demons beat the guys up. Why? They had the right words, but they didn't have the authority. Why? Because they had the words, but they weren't positionally proper. They had the words, but they didn't have the placement, if you're with me. They weren't under the right authority. So you can only speak with authority if you have it. Can I tell you today that you are a servant of the Most High God? You have authority in you. You have authority in the power of what you say. This is why the Scripture goes on and on and on about the righteous. Their words have the power to do this type of thing. Can I tell you today that we are not just submitted to authority, we are submitted to the highest authority. May I submit to you that the words that we carry, carry more weight than the world's words because we have the creator inside of us. It says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 that, that the worlds were created and framed by the word of God. 
So if God has the kind of authority to speak and worlds are transformed, universes are created by his voice. If, if we carry the same DNA as our heavenly father, that he can create the universe with a single breath, then surely we can shift the atmosphere by what we say. Then surely, surely your words have some authority because you are a child of God. Did you know that? You are a child of God. You are made righteous by the blood of Jesus. Your words carry weight. You have authority. Not because of anything that you've done, but just because of who your daddy is. Right? Well, I don't understand. I don't understand my authority. Listen, you don't have to understand your authority to have it. Can I tell you that today? You don't have to. You will have more faith by understanding your authority, but you don't have to have you don't have to understand authority to have it. So sometimes you just need to speak it even though you don't have it. Now, we don't speak it out of fear, and we talked about that a while ago. We've got to understand that our words carry weight. Everybody say that, my words are weighty. And it is weighty because, number one, authority. The second thing that makes our, work, our words carry weight is faith. Now, we talked about that right now. You might have the authority, but you're not exercising authority because you don't have any faith, right? Or because you're lacking How many of you lack faith sometimes? And the thing I love about God is that we don't have to pray acting like that we, because we've seen people do this, right? They pray in a way where they don't really have the confidence, they don't really have the faith, and they try to use all these big words, and they try to manipulate God a little bit. How many of you ever prayed with someone before, and they were kind of trying to manipulate God? Instead of saying, God, I'm really, this is how God would rather you pray. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. God, I believe that you're a good provider to me but I kind of unbelieve it too. I mean, you know that you can, you can have belief and unbelief in the same place, right? I'm not 100% belief. Like you might be 90% belief and 10% unbelief. Come on, are you with me? You're, you're sure, but you're not absolutely sure. You know what the word says. You know your authority, but uh, you're just not absolutely sure. Well, the Lord wants you to believe to believe. And so what do you what do you do? You just be vulnerable. So when you go to God, you go, God, I, I, I believe. I believe about, you, if, you, if you're real, like, analytical, you could be like, God, I, I, right now in this moment, I'm believing about, like, 85%. <laughs> God's like, all right, let me help you with the other 15. Because what I found is God likes to help us when we're honest. Right? Don't try to be all super spiritual with God. <laughs> Lord... You start praying and your language turns to King James. Art my father, Godeth, and heaveneth, right? And you start using all this language and you try to sound spiritual. I mean, that doesn't impress God. It doesn't impress God. He would rather you be honest. God, I'm struggling with this right now. He's like, all right, let's, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Let's deal with this. Let's get to the nitty-gritty. All right. And I love that Jesus said this, that he said, I have not found this much faith in all of Israel. Now, Mark chapter 11, verse 23, Jesus makes this statement, and this is crazy. He says, I tell you the truth. If anyone says to the mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done. So you've got to have the authority, but you also have to believe. Believe enough to say it. So when there's an obstacle, there's a, there was a song I was trying to sing it to Leslie. Every once in a while, I got, there's a, like a song. I, you know, like a song puts a point of reference in your brain. 
And, like, you always remember it. So I remember there was a song I heard one time. It was like, speak to the mountain, move. Speak to the mountain, get out of my way. And I heard that one time, and I don't know, I was in a church service or something, and I heard that. And so I was, like, in the, the other day, I was, like, looking over my notes, and I started seeing that. It's like, speak. And she was like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I have no reference point for that. But I remember that song, and I remember that song because I remember this scripture that says that if I speak to the mountain and I don't doubt, it will have to fall. So whatever's in your life that's opposing you, we're not, we're not necessarily speaking of people, but bad mindsets, come on, speak to the mountain. The mountain uh, Jeremy and I were talking about this before service. Usually the biggest hindrance for us in our lives is our mindset. That's usually the biggest thing is our mindset. So a lot of times we got to speak to our mind to change our mind. No, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're a son of the king of glory. You're not a slave to sin. Come on, you're a slave to righteousness. Sometimes you got to say those things in order to, in a very real sense, manipulate your own mind. I mean, it's a good thing to manipulate your own mind. So what I don't want to do is I don't want to go, oh, you know, you, you're deserving and you're entitled and all this kind of stuff. I want to speak righteous things. I want to speak the truth. Why? Because the truth carries the final authority. So I want to speak the truth over my mind. Y'all okay today? Y'all picking up what I'm laying down? All right. So I'll tell you the truth. If anyone says to the mountain, whatever the mountain is, throw yourself into the sea, but does not doubt in his heart, but believes in his heart, what he says will happen, it will be done. So there is power in what you say, but you've got to believe it. So that's the thing, that's where it's frustrating whenever we just kind of babble, like these things that we've learned to say during, during church, but we don't really believe those things, right? So we've got to believe. We've got to believe what we're speaking is from God, is God, and then say it. Number three, what is actually released or what is released? Uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. Listen to this. This is crazy. I tell you this, that you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. This is what's crazy about, about the Christian faith. Everything boils down to our confession. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, right? How do you get in? How do you get into the kingdom? Confession. And then it says, believe in your heart. But confess with your mouth. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. So Christianity pivots. Your walk with God pivots upon your confession. Are you with me? So why do we just want to have one moment where we confess something and then the rest of, the rest of our Christianity speak negative things? No, God wants you to move from glory to glory. That you're speaking, that you're speaking better, that you're speaking more truth, that you start declaring righteous things. Are y'all with me? So you will be held accountable for all the things. You know, what does that mean for every auto word you speak? How many know that with great power comes great responsibility, right? We've all seen Spider-Man. Right? Great power comes great responsibility. Because God has put life-giving authority in your voice, he expects you to use that properly. You're accountable for the things that you say. Not just the negative things you say, because that's not what Jesus says. You'll be held accountable for every negative thing. That's not what he says. Every idle word. 
Every careless word will be held accountable. So it's important that you're not saying ridiculous, stupid things. Right? Because there is power released when you speak. Careless, useless, empty words, all of that. Listen, you've got to start understanding that your trunk, your tongue, your tongue is like a trigger. Are you guys with me? When you go out and you shoot a gun, you have all this. How many of y'all like to shoot guns? It's okay. Come on. When you go out and, and shoot, shoot a gun, you have a you have ammunition in there, and then you have an igniter, which is the gun that ignites in, in the the ignition. But you've got to pull the trigger. Can I tell you? In your walk with the Lord, your tongue is the trigger. Your tongue is a trigger. Your tongue releases the power of God. This is why. Je- this is why. Then this guy was with Jesus. He was like, Lord, if you just say it, he knew that the power was in the tongue. That when he said that, when he spoke that truth, boom. Right. So understand that the power is released when you pull the trigger. When you speak, you pull the trigger. Life or death, and the power of the tongue. What kind of trigger are you pulling? Come on, y'all, all right? We like guns. Okay. Sorry if you're offended. All right. Listen, there, there are some things to be said because people are like all into the, like the, the power of positive thinking. Listen, there's something to be said about thinking positive thoughts. However, when we speak, transformation happens. Come on. All right. Well, let's talk about some of these. I, I know today's kind of a little bit practical, which is good. Let's talk about some of these life-giving words. Number one, so life-giving words. What kind, of, what kind of things should be coming out of our mouth? Number one is prophetic declarations. Look at your neighbor and say prophetic declarations. Now, when, when we say prophetic, immediately like two-thirds of the people disqualify themselves and go, I'm not a prophet. How many of y'all would say, I'm not a prophet? Okay, most of us. Okay, some of you might be a prophet. Um, awesome. We believe prophets are still functional. I don't think I'm a prophet, but I do believe I'm prophetic. And I do believe you're prophetic. In fact, look at your neighbor and say, you're prophetic. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, because it says in Acts chapter 2, which we've been referencing this a whole lot, Joel chapter 2 verse 28 says, your sons and daughters will prophesy. How many of y'all are sons or daughters of God? So you shall prophesy, not you might prophesy, or, you know, if you're a prophet, you're prophesy. It doesn't say the prophets will prophesy. It says the sons and daughters will prophesy. So because you're a son or because you're a daughter, you also have the authority to prophesy. So look at your other neighbor and say, I can prophesy. Now, when we talk about being prophetic, automatically, we automatically think what the future right? Don't we? We think of a prophet, we think they predict the future. But prophets don't just predict the future. The prophetic doesn't just predict the future. The the prophetic, all it does is unveils what heaven's emotions are or what heaven is saying, what heaven is intentions, affections, whatever it is that's heaven's heart over a situation, you are being prophetic. Even if it's a scripture verse over a situation, when you speak that, you're being prophetic. You're making a prophetic declaration. When you, sit, when you stand up during offering, and we have offering, and you, your bills are not getting paid, and you stand up and you start making those dec- declarations over your finances, what you're saying, you're pro- prophesying over your finances. That's exactly what you're doing. You're speaking the heart of the Lord. Um, Judah, 
this week. I, I was so proud of him. We, he and I were at Walmart. I don't know. I want to say it was a week ago. It was a week ago today. And we went to Walmart. And when we were leaving, there was a man being carted off to an ambulance. He was in a, a gurney. I think that's what it is, right? A gurney. And they had him in the scene there pushing him out. And Judah saw him. And he didn't say really anything about it. And I saw it, and I was because used to when he was younger, that kind of stuff would really freak him out. And, uh, and so we went, and we picked up our food or whatever, and we left, and we got home. And that night, I believe it was that night when we prayed, we, we, we get together as a family every night we pray. And then Judah goes, hold up, I want to pray. And I was like, oh, come on. And he says, and Father... He's like, I pray for that man we saw today that's going to the hospital, and I declare your healing over him. And I was like, oh, come on. He gets it. He gets it that, that Jesus is the healer. And he just started declaring. He wasn't like, oh, Lord, if you, you know, if you, if you think about that guy today. No, man, he was just declaring that man's destiny to be healed. And I was so proud of him at that moment that he gets it. He understands that whenever he declares a thing, it can actually happen. Don't you love that? And uh, now listen, so what we've got to do is we've got to live life understanding the pulse of heaven. We've got to live our life knowing what the word, this is why it's so important for you to understand the word of God. It's important for you to know the word of God. That way when something happens, you know what the word says about it. My son, Judah, understands that by his stripes, we are healed. He gets that on earth as it is in heaven. He gets that. So what's he doing when he prays? He speaks to the situation. I declare, you need to get like that. I declare, start living life like that. I'm above and not beneath. I declare that you that, that there is sickness will not reign in your body. I declare that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Some you need to make those confessions over your own life and people that you encounter. I'm not, listen, I'm not talking about, again, about empty words. We're talking about something that you know the word of God says, that you have heaven's heart on it because you know what the word says. Whether it's a word that God gave you that you've never seen in the Bible or if it's something that, that you've read in the scriptures. Anytime you speak forth the scriptures over a situation, you're being prophetic because you're declaring God's heart. Now, the problem is, is, is we've associated prophets or the prophetic with meanness. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Oh, you know, we'll do this. Like some, we'll have some guy come in. We'll pay him a bunch of money to come in and to prophesy to our people. And so when he preaches, he's mean and he hurts all these feelings. And he's kind of like, oh yeah, I hurt people's feelings because I'm a prophet. And we make excuses for him. They're like, well, he's a prophet. He's mean. That is not the prophetic. Listen to this. Revelation 19.10 says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, of all the stories I have of Jesus, Jesus did drive people out of the temple one time. That is something that Jesus would do. Jesus does get intense sometimes and corrective with words. No doubt about it. But that was not his mode. His mode was tenderness. His mode was compassion. His mode was restoration. His mode was mercy. Did he bring judgment when it needed to be brung? Absolutely. And that can be the prophetic. But mostly, that's not what we see from Jesus. So don't give somebody an excuse or don't give yourself an excuse and go, I think I'm I'm gifted in the prophetic because I'm so mean. No, you're gifted in the ungodly is what you're gifted in by being mean-spirited. Because the testimony of Jesus, what is Jesus' testimony? Compassion. That's right. So what should your testimony be? 
compassion, not meanness. Oh, they're prophetic. (laughs) No, they're prophetic. They should be the nicest people you've ever met. So if it doesn't possess the spirit of Jesus, it's not a prophetic word. It's a pathetic word. Just leave this right here. I would drop the mic, but it might break. I'll drop the water bottle. How's that sound? Let me say it again. If it does not possess the spirit of Jesus, it's not a prophetic word. It's a pathetic word. Come on. So you have the ability to say what I don't really know what Jesus says. Read the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Devote the rest of your life to reading the Gospels. So you can understand the testimony in the heart of Jesus, then you can be prophetic. Because the sons and daughters prophesy. So you can declare things, and you can see them happen. Not because you're so awesome, but because the word is the truth, and you're a child, and you have the ability to speak to things. Speak to the mountain, move. Okay, all right. Something. So that's one way that you give life-giving words. And the second way that you give life-giving words is you point to Jesus. So it's the testimony of Jesus, and we also point to Jesus. If Jesus is the life giver, then his presence must be the emphasis. Listen, when you're going through difficulties personally, point to Jesus. Come on, that's why why we devote part of our worship gathering to praise, which we need to learn a little bit about in this house. Come on, to get that celebration on you. To point to Jesus. Oh, man, I'm tired. Well, he's, God ain't tired. So point to Jesus. So get a little excited. Why? Because you're declaring the praises of God. You're declaring his goodness. You're declaring his victory. So when you're going through a hard time, point to Jesus. I point to the cross. I thank you, Lord, for what you've done. I thank you for what you're doing. And I thank you for what you're going to do. When you start going through difficulties, you just start declaring over your life the goodness of Jesus. Point to Jesus. Point to Jesus. Point to what he's done and he's doing, he's going to do. When other people are dealing with struggles, what do you do? Oh, just try to give them some good counseling that you got a degree in? Great. Point to Jesus. He's the life giver. The, the problem, and I'm not against counseling. I think it's great. In fact, I need some more. But listen, <laughs> I didn't get any amens on that. Thank God. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you sure do. I think so. Um, we're talking about <laughs> what happens is a lot of times in these, like, I've been to counseling before, and I'll probably do it again if I have the opportunity. It's great. But the problem is a lot of times that we just deal with, like, we, we, we just kind of teach people to, to deal with things, not really resolve things. You know what I'm saying? And we don't really give them life in exchange for it. Does that make sense? It's like, well, let's deal with the issue. Or maybe even they do deal with it. They deal with it, but they don't really give anything in return. Are you with me? So what Jesus does is he makes the, where there's lack and we come to him, he actually gives life. He gives you something for it. And it's not medication. He don't sedate you. Are you guys with me? He doesn't just... Oh, let's, let's kind of revisit that. And he, he removes it, and he gives you life. He gives you something. Right? And it's not just advice or encouragement. It's actually life.
So when others are dealing with it, and this is what this is what you have right here. Let's point to Jesus, Isaiah sixty-one. Now this is this is what Jesus came for. Listen to this, Isaiah sixty-one. So over your own life, some of y'all just need to like mark that in your Bible, take a screenshot of it on your phone or something, print it up, put it somewhere. Isaiah sixty-one, right here. This and this is what Jesus said about himself. It's the same spirit that lives in us. But listen, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because God has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. What kind of news? Good news. Preach good news. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. How many of you have ever been brokenhearted? Jesus has a solution for that. He binds it up. To proclaim. I love this how it's like preach, proclaim. Proclaim freedom for the captives. How many of you have ever felt in bondage to addictions, to you know, whatever it is that's bounding you up, mindsets, frustrations, irritations, freedom for the captives and release from darkness the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Proclaim. There it is. Preach, proclaim, proclaim. And the day of vengeance of our God. When we talk about vengeance, we're talking about God having vengeance on the enemy. Come on, are you with me? To comfort all who mourn. Hmm. Point to Jesus. You're mourning? Point to Jesus. Jesus will comfort you. For yourself, Lord, you came to comfort all who mourn. And I'm mourning right now. Comfort me. Provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow or to impart onto them, to give to them or command a blessing on them, to command on them a crowd of beauty instead of ashes. So you feel like your life's all burned up, like, you've, like you're, you're just wasted? Everything good's gone. Beauty for ashes. If you understand ashes, you understand that when people would do repentance, in, in, in Scripture what they do is they clothe themselves with slack cloth and ashes, and they would look real sorrowful and sad, and like, oh, I'm repenting. I've done so many bad things. I'm, I'm looking to be shamed. Guess what he does? No ashes here. Here's beauty. No shame here. Here's beauty. Let's wipe off your ashes and put on some makeup. <laughs> Come on. It's permanent makeup, though. Come on. <laughs> okay. Check this out. Oil of gladness instead of mourning. Gladness instead of sadness. Right? I'm just so sad. Gladness instead of, this is what you came for, Lord. Make that. I declare gladness for sadness. I declare beauty for ashes. You need to learn to start just declaring, making those declarations. Well, how long? How long for the rest of your life? Until you see it come to pass. Because those that speak to the mountain and they believe, the more you speak it, the more you're going to believe it. Come on. A garment of praise. Love this. A garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. So when someone's hopeless, when you feel hopeless, a garment of praise. What do you do with a garment? You put a garment on. What do you do with praise? You put praise on. When we walk into this place at 1030 on Sunday mornings, what do we do? We put on a garment of praise. No matter how hard our week has been. No matter how hard the enemy, we put on that garment of praise. I don't really feel like it, but I'm going to put it on. Like I didn't feel like putting on a shirt this morning either, but aren't you glad I did? Well, you see it, you see it. All right. Garment of praise. Thanks, Jeremy. Appreciate that sympathy left back there. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. 
They will be called oaks of righteousness, not weeds of righteousness. Right? Got little seedlings of righteousness. Oaks of righteousness planted in the house of the Lord for the display of his splendor. God is doing it not just for you, but he's also doing it for him. For some reason, we think that God gets, people have thought, over the, we don't think this, but people have thought over the years that God gets some kind of glory out of our misery, out of us sucking at life after us looking beaten up and torn. No, 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 no. God gets more glory out of him being the victory story. Let me say that again. God gets the glory by him being the victory story. Y'all all right today? All right. So prophetic declarations point to Jesus. And number three, proclaiming blessing. Proclaiming blessing. Listen, it is time that we put an end to all this negative speaking. We get on social media, which, you know, is a form of speaking, I guess, if you will. And we're just so negative and all oh, the world and, you know, all oh, the world. Can, can I tell you today that the world has been in a worse place than it's been than it is right now? I know that's some hard for some of us to believe because we live in America, but the world has been worse than it is right now. And can I tell you today that it will get worse than it is right now? But our ability to speak the blessing isn't based upon how the world conditions are, but on our authority to speak the truth and to speak the blessing. Um, We spend so much time and energy on what we dislike and what we disagree with. Listen, what comes out of your mouth identifies you. Complainers are drainers. I said complainers are drainers. You know it, I know it. You know those people you hide on Facebook. You know what their testimony is. Right? Don't be that person. You, people get it. Listen, I'm telling you right now, you've got to learn to start speaking positive things from your atmosphere. Quit sucking life from everybody else so you can feel better by something that somebody else around you is saying. You need to start speaking up. You need to start declaring the proper things. Quit waiting for someone else to speak. Why do we, why do we long so much for the affirmation of people? Guys, I'm right here with you on this. Because I, sometimes, I strive for affirmation. Am I the only one? Amen, Pastor. Huh? <laughs> Right? Are you with me? I strive for it sometimes. Right? I want, I want those Facebook likes. Come on. I want the little smiley emojis. I want it. I'm just like you. But my, my condition of being encouraged should not be dependent upon what other people are saying. It comes from within. Happiness, encouragement is an inside job. It's an inside job. Now listen, there are things that we are against. Make, make, make no mistake about it. But our loudest things that we speak upon are things that we're for. It's interesting how many followers of Christ that I know spend most of their life being, speaking negative things and not speaking hope. Not speaking stuff like Isaiah 61. They just talk, oh, it's all right, our world, and the politics, and blah, 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 blah. Listen, no matter what happens to the political system, Things aren't going to get better. It's just not going to get better. 
but you're going to get better because you're not, I'm not saying don't go vote. You need to vote. You need to do all that. But we need to be marked by not what we're against, but what we're for. It's time that some of the church starts being recognized for what we're for. We're for Jesus. We're for life. Is, are we against things? Absolutely. But we're mostly for one thing, the kingdom. And we carry, listen, we carry the power of blessing. Did you get that? You carry the power of blessing. We, we go, God bless us. God bless what we're doing. Do we need to pray that? Absolutely. But we also possess the power of blessing. Proverbs eleven eleven, Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. Not through our voting. That's something we should do. Through our blessing, a city is exalted. Can I say, from the blessing of an upright, a family is exalted. From the blessing of the upright, a workplace is exalted. You want to see the environment around you change? Learn to bless it. Learn to bless it. Well, it didn't deserve my blessing. It didn't deserve. Do you deserve the blessing? The way you're talking like that doesn't sound like it. You need to start believing the word. What I've found most of the time of people that are really negative, it's because they feel ugly inside. So it seems like I'm being negative about the negative people, which I kind of am, and I need to work on that. I'm going to tell this story rather than reading it, and I think I can tell it okay. Ezekiel chapter 37 is a story about Ezekiel, and he's caught up in this valley. And the valley, there, there's bones all around, Ezekiel 37. And he, like, looks at all these bones laying around, right? All these dead bones. I mean, you know, bones mean something's dead. Something that was alive and now is dead. And he's looking around and he sees these bones. And, and check out, I'm going to get to the verse real quick because I don't want to mess it up. He says, the Lord set him in this valley. is full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones that were very dry. So they weren't just dead. They'd been dead for a while. Right? They were dead, dead. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? So God puts you in a situation, a dead situation, a situation that needs to be revived, and he says, can these bones live? And then what he does is he goes, I don't know, Lord. Right? You, you know. I don't know. And he says, prophesy to the bones. Speak to these bones. And so he says that's what he did. He said he, he prophesied to the bones, and the bones start attaching. Right? There's a head, and then the spine sticks next to it, and then arms, and shoulder blades, and legs, and feet. But it was, there was still no life. The tendons, skin, all this kind of stuff was just dead bodies everywhere. They weren't even zombies. They weren't even moving. They were just dead bodies. And then God says this, he says, prophesy, prophesy life to them. Speak life to them. Speak life to the dead bodies. And it says that he spoke, spoke life to them. And it says this, the, the last verse, it says, and they stood up a vast army. So they weren't just, they weren't just uh, like people that weren't like zombies. We, we talk about that sometimes. They weren't just like there. No, no, no. It says they were a vast, all of a sudden they were strong and they were valiant and they were ready. They were an army. Speak to the bones. 
What are the bones? What are the dead things in your life that you need to speak to? And I believe the Lord is, is asking you today, can these bones live? Can these bones live? Can this dead season of your life live? Can that family member live? One of the things that really, that I have attention with is sometimes whenever I have like a frustration towards someone, right? I feel like it's my responsibility to bring life to it. Not to complain about it and talk about how it's got me down or how it's hindering me, right? Or how I'm so frustrated because of the situation. Or I'm so irritated because of this person. I'm so annoyed because of this. I mean, I, I do this a lot. But I believe the word of the Lord to us in this stress and this tension of all the dead things around us is this. Can these bones live? And we're going, I don't know, Lord. You, you know. You, if you want to do it, you're just going to have to do it. And he's going, you prophesy. You prophesy. You speak to those dead things. Those things that have been dead for a long time. Some of you, this morning, you have dead dreams in your heart. You had, when you were younger, you used to dream. Remember when you were young and full of life and you had those dreams in your heart? And that is disappointment, discouragement, and despair have set in over the years. You've kind of forgotten the dream. You've kind of forgotten those things that God put in your heart to do. You just focused on the times that you were disappointed. Listen, I would even say this. Pray. Continue to pray. Let's start prophesying. Pray. Continue to pray. Let's start prophesying. Notice that God didn't call the prophet into a prayer closet in this moment. He didn't call him to the prayer closet. He called him to the valley. Can I tell you today that God put you in that dead place because he wants you to breathe life on it. God put you in the frustration and the tension and the grind that the world is in. God put us here. God put us here for now. God put us in this God-forsaken nation so we could bring God to it. Not so we could complain about it or just be pledge our allegiance to a political party. No, no, no. God called us to prophesy life. Will we prophesy life? We know it's dead. We know it's despaired. Will we bring life?